I want to begin by just uh, reminding you that we've we're in a series over Christmas about God's gift to us in Messiah, and uh, what a wonderful gift in Messiah. And then we have been in a series of messages about our gift back to God. And so today we want to kind of wrap this up, and uh, we're going to kind of try to hit both angles, because God has gifted us so that we might in turn use those gifts for His glory and for the good of His people. And so this morning as we look at God's Word, I want to invite you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And by the way, just as we're looking at God's Word this morning, as I'm teaching this passage, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and also in 1 Corinthians 12. So you might want to just go ahead and, you know, uh, make a little bookmark uh, where there are, and I'll, I'll be referring to these different passages. But uh, I have a picture on the screen I'd like to show you, and uh, I wonder, just wondered maybe if you could identify what this picture is. Now, that, this picture right here, anybody know what that is? Somebody told me this morning it was a cranberry rake. Yeah. So, you know what? I've always told my kids, don't ever put a rake down with the tines up. Because any of you that used to watch Roadrunner would understand that Wally Coyote would step on the rake and it would smash him in the face. But anyway, uh, no, listen, if you're working with a rake, always put it with the tines down, okay? But anyway, that is a rake. And it's interesting because when you think about it, we get gifts all the time. And sometimes, uh, if we're not careful, we're more excited about some gifts than others, right? Like, I mean, us guys, we love power tools, don't we? Man, give me that power tool. I want to just get it going, baby. You know, noisy and tearing it up and all that kind of good stuff. Well, this past Christmas... I opened up a wonderful box from my wife, and there within that box was a set of yard tools. I'm like, uh-oh, what are you trying to say to me? <laughs> well, what she was trying to say was she was trying to encourage me because she asked me on one occasion, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I like to get out and work in the yard and because uh, I like getting out there and sweating and all that kind of stuff. And so she got me these nice tools called bully tools. And, uh, and I've been using them, and you know what? That's fantastic. But can you imagine what it would be like if she went to the expense of purchasing something that was not just run-of-the-mill? If she did some research and she found out that these are supposed to be the best that you can buy and they're made in America. And, and what would it be like if I just said, uh, okay, well, thanks for that and just put them in the corner and never used them. That wouldn't be very nice, would it? I mean, that would kind of be like, you know, saying thanks but no thanks. Well, this morning as we look at God's Word, I want you to understand as a believer... When you became a believer, the Bible says that God has given you spiritual gifts. Now, I want you to think this morning for a little bit about how we define uh, things. First of all, think about the abilities that you have. Some of you have incredible abilities. You can weld things, you can shape things, you can uh, make things. Uh, you have the ability to maybe bake or cook, but, but these are, are things that maybe you, maybe you got it naturally, part of your genetic makeup, you had these abilities. 
And then some of these abilities that you have, maybe they're acquired abilities, like some of you are computer whizzes and you know exactly what to do when the computer breaks down or, you know, or, or maybe just balancing a checkbook is like second nature to you. You're just a numbers kind of guy or gal. So we're talking about abilities. Um, we're talking about things that you love to do. Some of you have a heart to just, uh, you know, you love to entertain, and that's who you are. It's just part of your, who you are. You just love to do it, and then your personalities. Personalities are big. You know, some personalities are bold and, and upfront, and some personalities are more reserved, and, and depending on your personality, you know, it, it kind of helps you become the person you are. And then some of you have experiences in life. Not all of them are good experiences. Some of them are bad, but they kind of help shape you to be the person you are. And because of that, you may be able to use your experience in a great way to bless somebody else. And I'm thinking a lot of times the hurts that come into our lives, they can become springboards for great ministry to others in the future. So, so we're talking about, you know, these things, but, but when I talk about spiritual gifts and what we're going to look at specifically to more, this morning are some spiritual gifts that come to people when they become believers. They're not something that just comes from your genetic heritage or it's not necessarily something you can learn, but this is a special gifting from God for you. And we find that to be true in God's Word. And so I want to share that with you today because it would be a terrible thing for us to be gifted and never discover what that spiritual gifting is. And by the way, just, just to kind of, uh, just to make it clear up front, if God has gifted you with a spiritual gift, typically that spiritual gift is recognized by others in the body of Christ as something that, I mean, it's, it's like, it's just like when a, uh, when, when a pastor uh, gets ordained or licensed to preach, there is an affirmation from the body that's licensing or ordaining that, that we believe this person has been called to ministry. And it's kind of the same way in church life. When you begin to operate in those gifts, there's just certain people that, that, that they have just an extra bit of a capacity maybe to demonstrate mercy. My wife has about this much mercy. <laughs> no, she just doesn't score very high on that mercy. Right, Lisa? True. See, she said it. She admitted it. Whereas I'm a little bit higher in mercy. And, um, but, but the bottom line is that, that there are things that, that God has gifted us with. And, and this is why it's so vital for you, if you're a believer, to understand this. The spiritual gifting that you have, when it is employed in the body of Christ, helps that group of believers grow in Christ-likeness. And so, it would be a terrible thing for us to be saved and to be gifted and then not to seek to pursue the gifting that God has laid on our lives. Because it makes a difference to everyone around us. And so this morning, as we look at God's Word, I want to invite you to please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read a portion of the Scripture to, with you, and then we'll branch off and look at some of these truths. So let's all stand together out of reverence for God's 
word. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse number 1. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Pause there for just a moment. Please look up here. If you are a believer, and you've heard the call of God on your life, and you've said, Lord, I know you want me come into my life, I surrender my life to you. If you've done that, then you are urged to live up to the calling that God has laid before you. The Apostle Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. We'll pause right there. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for, Lord, for the call that you've placed on our lives. I want to thank you for the, the blessing of having a chance to know you. Lord, I thank you for the hope that you've inspired in my heart. I thank you, O oh God, for the understanding of truth and justice and righteousness and Lord I thank you for giving me a taste for the good and Lord for giving me a distaste for the evil Father I thank you for working in my life and Lord I thank you that you have gifted me that you've invested in my life Lord God for the glory and the good of your people Father help me help all of us Lord God to be good stewards of those grace gifts in your name we pray. Amen. Now this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, I want the first thing I'd like to just make note of is that when you get saved and when you become a Christian, not only does, does the Lord connect you with Himself and, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit indwells you, but he connects you with other believers. This is why the Apostle Paul, as he writes, he writes in his opening words of chapter 4 to the, the believers in Ephesus that they might understand that, that they've been saved and they've been connected to other believers. As you look at this passage of Scripture, he emphasizes the kind of life that they should be living. You know, when the Bible describes the church, that is the body of Christ, the believers, Jesus has a, a special term that he uses for his people. He calls them the flock. How many of you realize that the flock describes not just one by itself, but a group of, of, of animals? Maybe it could be sheep, for example. But Jesus calls them the flock. 
And, and when we think about this, the reality is that as believers, we get connected to other believers when we are born again. We are just, you know, we might be connected in some ways because we might attend church or we might go here, but there's that moment when, boom, the light comes on and everything changes, man. I mean, you begin to know and you begin to understand and you begin to see uh, him in a whole fresh new way. Your, your life begins to change. And what a joy it is to know that you can gather with other people who have that same wonderful experience. I don't know if you've had this experience. You ever have one of those experiences where you can just get together with a friend and just laugh, just have a good time? I, I'm just telling you, there's something special about that. And, and uh, it's not the kind of fellowship that maybe I might have, uh, you know, with, with someone else, but it's just a camaraderie there. It's a sense of uh, of completion, a, a, a sense of connection. And, and, and my salvation is a wonderful gift of God, but it's also a gift about being connected to others. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. If we find a, lone ra- a, a, a Christian out there who's a Lone Ranger, he might be just a little bit odd. He needs to be connected with the body of Christ because it's in the body of Christ that we are united by His Spirit. We are encouraged by His children. We are corrected sometimes. We are bettered in the fellowship. We're accountable to one another. So understand that that as a believer, it's important for you to be connected with other believers. Now, the Bible tells us that, that we are part of one body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, It says this, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That's some pretty rich language right there. So what I'd like for you to do right now, if you, um, if you would, look at the person to your right or to your left or front or back and, and just say, I'm, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ if you're a believer. Can you do that? Good. I, y'all are doing so good. Fantastic. You, listen, I know they may look a little bit weird. They may be a little bit odd. They may be a, little, a lot different than you, but the bottom line is if they've accepted Christ, guess what? The same Spirit who dwells in you dwells in them. And what's important to understand is that that is by design. Now, the, the second thing that I want to point out about you know, God's gifting of our lives is that when God transforms someone and changes them, He alone gets to choose what kind of gifts that he gives them. Now, I'm going to go down a list of some of the spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. Um, I don't know that this is an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. I'm just going to say right up front that God God is sovereign. God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, with anyone he wants. He will do what he does. But but as we look at God's Word, we have some specific spiritual gifts that are listed. And we're going to talk about those. But before we go there, if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to notice that it tells us very plainly that when we're saved and we're gifted, we're saved and we're gifted according to His distribution. 
He's the one who assigns the different gifts. And, and this is why some people just have an easier time being an encourager than being a condemner or, a, or, or somebody who's just going to, you know, just give you the discerning look, so to speak. This is why some people are going to have an easier time being generous as opposed to someone who has a little bit. Well, there are a lot of reasons for that, okay? Sometimes we can be stingy, you know, or miserly, but there is a spiritual gift for generosity. And, and maybe, maybe you didn't realize this, but, you know, there's some people that are gifted to be able to make money, and they're just generous people. But, but here's what I want to say. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, look what it says. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, it, it's the Lord who does the gifting. Now, you know, I might desire to be able to sing a solo to the glory of God. And I might be able to learn a few tricks so that my voice doesn't sound like you don't want to hear it. But what I do know is that there's some people who've got the, a gift for that that just, it, it's, it's there. And, and when they worship the Lord like they do when they're singing, they lead us to worship the Lord. And I know that's a special uh, unction of the Lord in their lives. But, but notice it says that the grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He does the gifting. He's the one who does it. And, and therefore, if he's the one who does it, then I need to be able to recognize that not everybody will do things exactly like I do. Not everyone will perceive it exactly like I perceive it. And I need to be okay with that, as long as they're in this ballpark, so to speak. You know what I mean? Take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you're in the book of Ephesians, you're going back to the left or you're going to the click to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And notice what it says in, in verse number 4. First, no, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11. Verse 11. He's just got through listing a, a, a bunch of spiritual gifts. And in number in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know, I might wish that God had given me a certain gift. Uh, it doesn't mean that I can't learn to be better at something, but there's just some people whom God has gifted in certain ways, and he uses them to great effect in that area. But, but let's remember, it's the Lord who does the gifting. In Romans chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, let's go to Romans chapter 12 just a moment. Verse number 4 of Romans chapter 12, it says this, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we are connected, but we don't all have the same function. 
And, and that's important because, you know, what I have learned is that if I have a bicycle, not every part of that bicycle has the same function. I mean, if I look at the, 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 the tires and the wheels on the bike, they have the function to roll either forwards or backwards. If I look at the handlebars, the handlebars don't roll, but the handlebars help me steer. When I put my foot on the pedal and I crank the, the pedals and, I, you know, when it moves the chain, I, you know, they all have their own function. And thank the Lord for brakes. Man, when I put my hand on the brakes or I put my foot on the brake, it stops. Can you imagine if everything on the bike wanted to be a wheel? <laughs> what a mess that would be. And can you imagine if, uh, you, if you did like me one time and I was riding a, at Santos Bike Trail and I'm, I'm going down the hill and I'm going just a little bit too fast and I, I can't remember which one now, but I, I put on the handbrake and, and I didn't realize it, but I was putting the brake on the front tire instead of the back. And so I guess you know what happened. I went over the handlebars. <laughs> that was when I was young and I could stand to fall like that. Listen to me. I know a lot of communities of believers who everybody wants to have the same gifting, and guess what happens? They crash. I know a number of churches where people think, well, everybody's got to be just like me, and what happens is they don't reach the people because they're unwilling to accept anyone who's a little bit different. See, and here's what's so important. Because we're connected together, as the Bible said, God brings people with different gifts, and as people serve in the gifting that God has made for them, guess what happens? The church thrives. That's the way God designed it. That means we all need one another. That means that there's something in me that you need, and there's something in you that I need, and we are better together than we are apart. The Bible speaks about that quite a bit. Two are better than one. And a, uh, and a threefold cord is, is you know, is, is very strong. So, so, but God does the gifting, and we, we don't all have the same gifts. And notice that the Scripture says that, uh, that the Lord, and, and Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4. We also see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's God who was the source of these gifts, okay? It's not something that just uh, showed up because somebody taught me how to do it. It's not something that came through my uh, parental heritage. It's, these are special gifts that come to those, and God is the source of them all. It's interesting in this passage, in Ephesians chapter 4, he, uh, he makes a, a big deal about the fact that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And of course, uh, many people see the Trinitarian formula here. We also see the same thing, uh, basically, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, the apostle says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Why would he do that? Because the reason he did that is because in that day, there were a lot of people who worshipped a lot of pagan gods, and they would say, 
well, the God of, um, I don't know, the God of the ocean, you know, must, has, must have blessed you because you caught a lot of fish, you know. Or, uh, or the God of, uh, of, uh, of making metal works must have blessed you because you're so intricate in your jewelry preparation or something like that. But, but Paul said, no, there's one God who is over all, and he is the source of all of these gifts. And so we ought to be thankful to God for that. Let me just share this with you as well. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, we learn something else, and that is that every believer has a, a gift, a gift mix, at least one. Every believer. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, but grace was given to each one of us. You may not know what your spiritual gift is. I want to encourage you to take the shape class that, that, that Pastor Sean has been leading because you will begin to discern how God has gifted you. It's a fantastic course. But, but grace was given to each one of us. And, and, and here's, here's kind of the, here's the, the hook this morning. Not only are you gifted and the gifting is there for a purpose, but you're, you're to be using that gift, whatever it is. Look at Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans chapter 12. Look at this verse. I told you we're in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans 12. And this spells out that every believer should be using his or her gifts. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. In other words, God has invested so much in you he, he sent His sinless, perfect Son to shed His perfect lifeblood on the cross for you. He bore your iniquities. He died for your sins. He took the wrath of God on your behalf. That's what He did for you. But not only did He invest in us with the promise of mercy and forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, but He has empowered you with certain abilities and gifts in a special way that come as the Holy Spirit resides in your life. And because of that, we ought not waste the opportunity not everyone will be a teacher, not everyone will be a pastor, but everyone will have a role to play. Pastor Sean has talked about that quite a bit. Now, every believer should be using his or her gifts, and, and, and now what I want to do is just give you kind of a broad brush picture of the gifts of the Spirit that are listed in the Bible. And to do that, we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to kind of run through this and this is not exhaustive of all the gifts, I don't think. I think God can do whatever He wants to, whenever He wants to. But I know these are the ones that are listed here. 
Ephesians chapter 4, he speaks about apostles in this. He said, God gave gifts, and well, let me just see it right here. It says um, in verse number 11, Ephesians 4, he says, and he gave the apostles. Apostles. What, what is an apostle? You know, we, that term gets thrown around a lot these days. But, but when we think about the apostles, we think about the, the early disciples, the founders of our faith who laid the doctrine. And this term, apostle, specifically applies to an eyewitness of the risen Christ. That's what we think about. They're the ones who laid the foundation. It's either an eyewitness or a close associate like John Mark. John Mark was not one of the original disciples, but he was a close associate of Peter. And he's, he's one of those people here. And, of course, the Apostle Paul as well. They were not, uh, they were not there when, when uh, Jesus was crucified. They weren't in Jerusalem at that time. But remember that Paul saw the Lord on the Damascus Road, the road to Damascus. And so the apostles are these eyewitnesses who have laid the groundwork for the faith that we have. I mean, the Lord Jesus and then these apostles, they built on it. Now, sometimes people will say, well, you need to come over here and hear apostle so-and-so. And, uh, and, and so I, I won't judge the use of that term, but I think it's very dangerous if, uh, if somebody claims to be an apostle in the sense that you're laying down new information about, you know, about the faith, the doctrine of faith. I think that's very dangerous. Now, some people believe that today the gift of apostleship is the missionary gift. And I can go with that. The missionary gift that, you know, you just feel like God's called you to an unreached people group and it's time for, for you to go and share. And I understand that. And I can, I can accept that. And then another one he talks about here are the prophets. And he says God gave prophets in Ephesians 4, 11. And the prophets were people who were, you know, they in, in Old Testament times and in New Testament times, there were some that could tell the future. But you know what the penalty was for a prophet who said, thus saith the Lord, and this is going to happen, it didn't happen. The penalty was death if it didn't come true. And so there are a lot of people today that might be claiming that there are prophets who are foretelling, but i got to tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. It's better to think of prophets as those who are forth-telling. You know, they're boldly declaring the truth of God. They have that prophetic sense. They have a, a sense of discernment or they have a sense of, I know this is right, and, and, uh, and not so much fortune-telling, but forth-telling. And then there's a, another term that he uses here for gifts that God gives, and, and he says God gave these gifts to the church. There's evangelists, and all of us are called to be... Uh, all of us are called to share the gospel, but not everyone has the same measure of maybe gifting as those who have the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism is like people that are like they share the gospel and automatically it seems like people respond. They not only sow the seed, they reap right then. They're just an incredible group of people. And I've known a few folks like that over the years. It seems like they would share the gospel and people get saved just about every time. These are people who have the gift of evangelism. And then uh, he says there are shepherds and teachers, and that word for shepherds is poiamen. It, it, means, uh, it means pastor. It's translated as pastors. Well, pastors and teachers, and, and we have a lot of those. God has gifted uh, the church with many of these gifts, okay? So those are some of the gifts. Now let's go to Romans chapter 12. We'll see another list that's very similar in Romans chapter 12. 
The Apostle Paul in verse number 6 is writing to the church at Rome. In verse number 6 of Romans 12, he says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he says, if prophecy. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. That's the prophetic gift of, uh, of a prophet, so to speak. If service in our serving, and that word for service could mean labor. It's somebody that puts their shoulder to the grindstone. Hey, can I get a little bit of help here? And man, they're right there. There's just something added about them. They're willing to get in there and work, and they will work like a dog, man. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but they'll work hard. You know, they just, they got the gift of service, and, and it can be used in a whole lot of different ways, but they just have that desire and capacity to serve others. Some of you have the love language of gifts, uh, of acts of service, and you love when people do things for you, and you love to love people by doing things for them. Uh, you might have the gift of service, I don't know. And then there's one who teaches in Romans 12, and we can, those are people that can take God's Word and explain it, and you know, they understand it. And then, and then the one who exhorts. This is a spiritual gift of, uh, of, uh, of encouragement. It, 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 the same word that we get paraclete from is the root word for exhortation. It means to encourage. It means to comfort. And so, again, this is something that God puts in the hearts of some people, and they're able to do it a little bit better than maybe those who, you know, try to learn how to do it, so to speak. And then there's a gift here in verse number 8, contributes. The one who contributes in generosity, that's a spiritual gift. Some people just are blessed with that. And then the one who leads, leadership, the gift of leadership, and they should do that with zeal. And then the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Some people just have a higher capacity. These are all spiritual gifts. And so we think about this and, um, and we, we, we recognize that this is something that God puts in our heart. Now, let's go ahead and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he lists some other gifts here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verse number 8, he says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. You know, this is somebody who just, you know, the Holy Spirit just brings the truth of God out and they just know, they just have the answer, you know, that is wise. And I didn't say intellectually correct, I said wise. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. We got a lot of people out there with a lot of knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. And this is why the world gets so mixed up, I think. And then in verse number 8, he says, And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. There's a gift of faith there. Uh, to another, the gift of healing by the one Spirit. I, I don't know too many folks that really have that gift of healing, but I, I hear stories from time to time, and again, God will do whatever He wants to do when He wants to do it, but I tell you, if you have to go up on a stage and get knocked over, eh, there might not be something right about that. I don't know. I'm just saying, the gift of healing. And then to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. There's some people that just have a real discerning sense about a spiritual nature of things 
to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And so a lot of times this kind of takes the highlight in Corinthian, at the Corinthian church, it was a big old uh, hullabaloo there because the people that were speaking in tongues were saying, I'm better than you, and, and you need to have this gift, even though Paul said clearly not everybody has that gift. And by the way, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit fell, People from all over the known world at that time who were gathered in Jerusalem, they heard the gospel proclaimed in their own language. I think that was a gift of tongues or a gift of interpretation, one or the other. And so, you know, again, the Lord has given us evidence of these types of gifts and, um, and I think that we just need to... Uh, recognize that this is the way God has designed to help our churches grow. So, the last thing that, well, uh, getting closer to the last thing, sorry. <laughs> Y'all don't go to sleep on me, okay? The third thing is this. You're saved and you're gifted for the purposes of church edification. The gifting, the salvation, the gifting that is by God's discretion um, the, 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 what he gives us, it's, it's up to him, and he's the source of all of these gifts. And we don't all have the same gifts. And when we're saved, we're connected with other believers. But listen to me, the purpose of all of these gifts is so that the church might be built up in love. This is why if you have the gift of prophecy and you misuse it, you can become a very dogmatic, right is right and you're wrong if you're not right with me and you can do great damage when you get in the flesh trying to use that gift. It's the same thing that happened in Corinth with a lot of those people there. That's why you have to use the gift that you have in love because it's not about you, it's about the church. It's about the Lord. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. All of these gifts are given to the church to equip the saints, this is verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. If I have somebody up here that can preach like an angel, and man, they are a powerful preacher, but it's all about being on stage and what they've done and what they want you to know about them. I have questions sometimes. If we have somebody that is a good administrator and they've got the gift of leadership or they have the gift of crunching numbers, but it's always about them and their ambitions, I have a question. Why, why are you doing this? If I have somebody that is an incredible prayer warrior, and man, they just want to pray for all of your needs, and then you come to find out that they've been on the hotline to everybody else about all of your needs, you're like, whoa, is this person really uh, an ex or, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's good at, at encouragement? I don't know. 
But the bottom line is that when we misuse our gifts, we can do great damage to the body of Christ. But all of these gifts come for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All the gifts are about the common good, not about a personal platform. And so let's remember that when we think about using the gifts that God has given. You know, it's interesting. When we talk about uh, these spiritual gifts, because Paul is so clear that it's for the common good, it, it's kind of like the, the prime directive of both the Old and the New Testament. We must first love God with everything we are, and then we must love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And when you are operating in the gifting that God is giving you, you are demonstrating love to others. You're building others up. Well, I want to wrap this thing up by just uh, letting you know that Satan does not want you to operate in your spiritual gift. Because when you operate in your spiritual gift, guess what? Things change. The church is strengthened. And he would love nothing better than for you to misuse your spiritual gift and bring ruin to those around you. I want to just encourage you to uh, think about, I, I want you to think about those gifts that God has put in your life. And not just the spiritual gifts, but the abilities that you have. What do you love to do? What do you, um, what, what do you love to do? What are you good at? Uh, how is your personality? Uh, how can God use that? in the church because it's when God's people get busy doing what God has equipped them to do that the church is blessed and I hope and pray you won't put that rake in a, a corner somewhere and ignore it use it because when you stand before him he's gonna he's gonna ask you have you been a good steward of the things that I've given to you and certainly I hope we all will be good stewards. Well, we're going to wrap it up there, and I know this has been kind of a more of a teaching time today. Hopefully you'll get something you'll gather, but my, my main desire is that you will plug in and you will serve the way that you believe God would have you serve in the church. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning, and Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to, to give back to you. Father, show us how we can do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about First Baptist Church of Wildwood and our ministries, you can go to our website, fbcwildwood.org, our Facebook page, First Baptist Church of Wildwood, or our Instagram page, FB Wildwood. Have a great Jesus-filled day.